Today, we're going to talk about that virtuous woman. And I know that if you're a man in the room, if you're not careful, you'll rule me out. But I think what we're going to preach on today and the context we're going to take is applicable to every single person. So don't tune it out. But today is Mother's Day, and so we're going to go back and we're going to talk about fearless, being fearless. Uh, and I think we live in a world that if we're not careful is very fearful. Would you agree? Um, anybody else in here concerned over what your kids are going to face in the next 10 years? Um, anybody else worried about what they're going to face when they go to school next week? What they're going to be taught, what they're going to see, what they're going to be exposed to. I know just even last week or the week before, we had a major scare right here in Jeff County and Knox County. And all these uh, bogus kind of hoax calls went out. And immediately, priorities, I think, changed and shifted. And um, I remember I was over on the other side of Sevierville, called Pastor Chris. And he said, I'm on my way and I'm on my way. And we were driving like nuts to get here. Um, thank God it was a hoax. But I, I mean, I think we got this understanding in our lives that, man, everything can change like that. Um, our kids are getting exposed to things that, they, that, that I never dreamed we'd see in our lifetime. Anybody say amen to that? Um, and, and, and not at high school age, by the way, it's at young ages, like as soon as kindergarten, first grade and some of the things. And so for that, can I just pause? I know we talk about that a lot, but I, I want to thank God for Christian educators. Can we just say that? We got a lot of teachers in our church that teach in that public school system, taking their light and shining it in those hallways. And for that, can we just pause and just say thank you? And, and hey, let's encourage them and just keep that up. And Not an easy day and time to let your light shine, but, but I, I, I want to tell you this. Ready? And I want you to write it down. Your most important ministries. I'm going to give them to you in order. Ready? To a husband, it's your wife. To a wife, it's your husband. To a mom and dad, it's your children. For a children, it's with your parents. For a church, it's to our father. And from the church, it's to the lost. Those are the greatest callings of our lives. To be a husband, to be a dad, to be a wife, to be a mother, to be a child of God, to be a witness to those that don't know God. Those are the greatest callings in our life. And if we're living life doing anything other than that or making anything else more important than those things, then we need to shift our priorities because we are out of the will of God. Um, God desires a relationship with you and me more than anything else in the world. And he desires us to nurture and to pour into the relationships that we have with each other. Agree or disagree? How many of you are thankful for the nurturing you've had in your life? Nurture means somebody took the time not just to tell you what to do, but to enforce it by their actions, their words, their reinforcement, their discipline, their correction, their patience, their kindness, their sacrifice. Nurture doesn't just happen because your mom. Nurture happens because you choose to sacrifice your freedom for the freedom of someone else. God nurtured our lives, did he not? He nurtured our relationship with him, and he nurtured that through Jesus Christ. In our men's group Friday night, we had a great time I'm just sitting and talking, and I think we outdid the women, all right? We lasted longer than they did, and, and, and in there, we, we, we were just talking about that Romans 5.8. It just came up in our conversation. Aren't you thankful that God demonstrated his love, right? That while we were sinners, what did Christ do? He died for us. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think we live in a day and age where there's not demonstrations as love as much as there's demands for it. And there's, as much as I, I deserve this, you should love me. No, no, no. Love is a demonstration. Love is an action. Love is a verb. It's not a noun. If love's a noun in your life, then you have become selfish and you've made life all about you. Love is about giving. 
All right, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, what's it say? Love is patient, love is kind, gentle. It, 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 it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, it rejoices in truth. It, it doesn't keep record of wrongs. I mean, this whole list of what love is. And then I, I told our Monday night class, if you read that right underneath it, it says, this is what love is and we're too stupid to understand it. He said, right next, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I, I, I did these things as a child. But when I became a man, I put away these childish things. Now I see incomplete and partially through a glass like it's darkened that I can't see clearly. But one day I'll see perfectly. And that's talking about when we were God. You know, I'm going to say this. The greatest gift we have in our life is love. And it's the only eternal thing you experience on this earth outside the word of God. Is the Bible even says in that passage, the last verse of the love chapter is now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is Love. I said it last week. I'll reiterate it. One day you will not need faith anymore because it'll be reality. One day you will not need hope anymore because it will be tangible. Hope says it's going to get better. One day it will be the best. One day we will be with Christ. We want to believe in Christ. We will see him. So what we will have for all eternity is love. And if you want to experience heaven on earth, then you need to nurture the love of your heart, the love in your life, and answer the call to your greatest ministries, and that is your relationships with people. And so if that's the case, let's go to Proverbs 31. Let's look at verse 25 through verse 30. I'm going to hit through these, and then we're going to go back. How many of you realize that Proverbs 31 is a passage of the Bible dedicated to women? All right? It is a great passage. It's called The Virtuous Woman. It's got a lot for us to learn. Matter of fact, it has some challenges for us as children and as husbands and as men. And we're going to get to that. But look, it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. And she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Don't you love how Solomon makes this a personal thing? You are the best is what he's saying. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not laugh. The King James Version says it fades away. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Today we're going to look at some things and I want you to kind of define two things right off the bat. Strength, ready? That that word defined, I wrote it down, is the emotional and mental qualities necessary in dealing with situations or events that are distressing or difficult. Strength isn't, I've got the power to lift this. Strength says, I'm going to have the fortitude, which means I'm going to have the withal inside of me that says, even though this is difficult and I may not have the power to raise this, I'm going to have the strength to endure this difficult season of life. The strength to endure the terrible twos and the terrible threes and the terrible 13 through 18s. Am I right? It says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out. It, it, it looks at the rebellious child and says, no matter what, I'm still going to love you. It looks at the child that, that is, is very strong-willed and says, no matter what, you're not going to be able to break the love I have for you. It looks at the stubborn husband. It looks at the stubborn wife. And it says, we will make it even though we don't like it. We're sticking this out. We're going to make it through. Strength says, I don't have to like the circumstance. I don't have to be okay with the circumstance, but I'm not going to run from it and I'm not going to let it overtake me. 
Strength says I'm digging in, I'm rooted, I'm a child of God, I have my faith intact, I have my focus on Jesus Christ, and let Goliath stand if he wants to, but in the name of Jesus Christ, we will see him fall. Strength doesn't say I have all the answers. Strength doesn't say I know it all. Strength says I have a relationship with an almighty God who's in control, and if he is on his throne, then I am in the power of him, and strength says I don't stand alone. I stand protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's strength. So some of us in the room need to understand you're a little bit stronger than you think. We look at strength in our world and we define it by what you can do. God looks at strength and defines it by what you can stand through. And in Ephesians 6, when he tells us to guard up and to put our armor on, when he tells us to get ready for war, he uses these words. And when you've done everything you can do, when you've got the armor on and you've gone as far as you can go, what's the word? Stand. Stand. Don't retreat. Don't fall. Don't give in. Don't back down. Stand. And so today, I'm going to call. I'm going to call on the ladies. I'm going to call on the men. I'm going to call on the children of God to rise up and to realize that strength doesn't mean we can figure out our government. We can figure out our nation. We can figure out the problem. Strength just simply means we know that God is in control. We know that we'll end up at the throne of God one day. We know that it is finished on the cross will result in a it is finished in heaven. And one day it'll all be over. So until that day, we'll keep living with dignity. We'll keep living with integrity. And that's what dignity is the next word. Isn't that what it says? She will be clothed with strength and dignity. Dignity is living in a way that is worthy of honor and respect. I mean, dignity means I don't live for myself. Um, My wife's not here in this service, so this doesn't get me brownie points. Um, But I'm going to give it to you. That woman is one of the most selfless women I've ever met in my life. And I see her constantly giving and doing. I see our children. We have a very strong-willed three-year-old, all right? And, and anybody else have one of those, all right? Anybody else have a three-year-old husband? But the thing is, is we got all kinds. She's probably got that too. We got obstacles and battles. And how many men can say, you see this in your wife too, that no matter what, she's willing to give of herself for the kids, for me, for others. How many of you got, got a lady like that? Would you slip your hand up? And maybe if she's sitting next to you, raise the other hand and put an arm around her and say, boom, you're the stuff. You're awesome. I think in our lives sometimes we, we've lost those two words in our culture. Would you agree? We belittled them. Strength becomes by position you own in, a, in our world. A strength of a church is, is, is normally if I sit around with pastors, the first question they ask is how many people go to your church? Uh, it, it, it's about the size. It's about the accomplishment. When strength is the fact, and I'll tell you this right now, um, I think the strongest pastor in the world today is the pastor that's walking into three people still preaching with the power of God coming out of his mouth as if he's talking to a thousand. That is strength. The strength of a church and the strength of God's people is not found in what we own or possess. It's, it's found in what we do. What do we bring to the world? And who are we willing in Jesus' name to reach out a hand and help? And who are we willing to love through their difficulties? And who are we willing to sacrifice for? The strength of heaven was that a perfect sacrifice was willing to give his life so that imperfect people 
could experience the righteousness of God. That's strength. What can I give? Dignity says it's what I do and how I handle myself in it. Not, not my work, but my actions, my attitudes, my words. I'm thankful. I, I, I did. I took a moment um, in this service and went up and I, I, I hand delivered to Betty and, uh, and to Tanya those roses and things. Because, I mean, I, I know when, um, when Betty found me, I was a mess. All right? And she didn't amen me. If I said that when my wife found me, it was a mess, Betty, she would amen very loudly. Um, but the thing is, is when Betty found me, we had a lot of conversations. I couldn't even afford to live on my own, nor did I have an idea of how to budget. I had like a 427 credit score and was just sinking, you know, and, 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 and she was always so patient with my stupidity. She never told me it was stupid, but she always told me how to correct the stupidity. Three years ago, when I was over at her house after uh, being kicked out of my own house for my actions, Betty was there. She took me in and, and was not very happy with me, but... But in that moment, there was love and there was acceptance and there was a bed to sleep in. There was a, a place to stay. I, I've learned this and, and, and I know this and I hold this to be a very huge value in my life. When someone has dignity and someone has strength, they are not as interested in who you are and where you've been as they are interested in where God can take you. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get you there. And some of you moms right now are praying for some grown-up kids. And some of you moms are, are, are heartbroken because your kids are with Jesus Christ. This day is not easy for everybody. And I even told Marilyn, I'm so proud of her for being here today because I know it's not easy to walk through the doors. But, but, but I will say this, and I want to call you out, that I have found this to be true, that it seems to be in the nurture of a woman is the ability to nurture. So I'm going to say a real statement. Uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that every lady in this place today, whether you have your own physical children or or you have adopted children, or whether you have no children at all, you still have a mom in you that is nurturing someone else in your life. And, and, and because of you, someone is being raised. And if you say, well, that's not me. It is in your nature to be that person. It is in God's nature to be that. And he's planted that in you. And for that, we say, keep giving and don't give up. So I'm going to give you some don'ts today. Ready? Write this down. If you're going to be fearless in a world that's got a lot of fear in it, there's certain things that you're going to have to do. And, and, and the first of all, we're going to say this is, is don't try to be perfect. Um, how many of you heard us say these quotes? Perfection hinders what? Progress. All right, it's not my own. I wish I was that smart to come up with something like that. But how many of you would say, yes, that's absolutely true, that when I try to be perfect, I end up messing up? Have you ever noticed the more careful you are, the more prone to accident you are? Is anybody else like that or is that just me? You ever built the, the house out of popsicle sticks and you're, you're being so tedious and you're doing this? I don't know about you, but I knock those things over. That's why I, I, I prefer Legos in the build because they snap together right? and they can stay together. But, but it, it seems like the more I'm trying to be perfect, the more imperfect I see myself. And I think there's a lot of people that under, don't understand today that we live in a world that puts a magazine cover and says, this is what you should be. Puts a Facebook post and says, this is who you should be. And, and we live in a world that says, you got to be perfect. In other words, you're not allowed to have a bad day. Anybody ever felt like that? That if you had a bad day, somebody was going to have a problem with it or they did have a problem with it? 
but yet it seems like 364 other days of the year, all you hear is their bad day? Don't point at them if they're here. But the reality is, is we live in a world that says, I can be this, but you're not allowed. And we put pressure on each other to try to become something that we cannot be. We think that if we're the perfect mom or the perfect dad, the perfect house, husband, the perfect wife, that we'll be loved more, that we'll be valued more. But the truth is, is that the more we try to pretend that we're okay, the more broken inside we become. And the more broken inside we become, the more hurtful life becomes. And a lot of people right now are bitter and angry in life and in the world, not because they hate the world. It's because they're trying to be perfect and they can't. And they got this mindset of, I want to please people. I want to be pleasing to my husband. I want to be pleasing to my wife. And nowhere in the Bible are you called to be pleasing to another person other than God himself. And the way that we're pleasing to God is to not pursue perfection, but to pursue excellence. Now, excellence is something you can achieve. Godliness is something you can do. Excellence says, hey, I'm going to give it my best. Now, how many of you have found this to be true that sometimes your best in a day is still not what is needed? Right? It's not good enough, right? And and it, it, it can become hurtful but the truth is if you know you've done your best then you don't have to hang your head we say it this way like if we do something at grace or we do something for the lord it doesn't have to be perfect but it does have to be excellent we're not going to halfway do it we're not going to throw ourselves out there or just go nonchalantly people deserve excellence would you agree how many of you can understand that in your life you can be excellent and still have mistakes in the process You can still achieve something great and take a winding road to get there. My excellence and my wife's excellence are totally different. I mean, how many of you men cannot think of two things at the same time? Raise your hand. Come on now. Okay, I'm going to ask the ladies. How many of you ladies know a man who cannot think of two things at the same time? Slip your hand up in the air. But, I mean, any of you guys ever blown away that your wife can be doing the dishes while cooking dinner, while changing diapers and doing all kinds of different things and never miss a beat, nothing get burnt and everything get done, and you're sitting there like, I can't even watch TV and listen to her. Come on, am I right? Have you seen the little railroad track picture that's put out there to where a woman's mind has like hundreds of railroad tracks, the man's mind has one? You know, and the thing is, is excellence sometimes for a man is paying attention. making her the focus you know listening to what has to be said but it doesn't mean that I'm perfect at remembering everything how many of you have to use a google calendar how many of you should use google calendar how many of you wives or husbands have to write things down to remember it you know you didn't tell me that yes I did you just didn't write it down how many of you have ever had that You know what? I think my wife so believes in that there is a huge acrylic calendar hanging in our kitchen. And I don't think it's for her. I think it's for me so that I can walk through and realize that there's things that got to be done because I am the king of saying, we never talked about that. Why is that? My excellence has to be, I have to focus and dial in. Where, Where your excellence might be, you can do 10 things at once. Mine is not. And that, that, that leads us to this world that, that if you're trying to sit in, in perfection, then you're probably paralyzed 
in what you're able to accomplish. You are hindering process, but you are also paralyzing your growth. And at some point, we've got to say, my excellence is good enough. My godliness is good enough. What is your godliness? What is your righteousness? It's still not, it's still not perfect. The Bible says it's still filthy rags. But what I can do is I can get up and say, today I'm pursuing God. Today I'm going to learn more. Today I'm going to go further. Today I'm going to go deeper in my faith. Today I'm going to make him my everything so that I can become what he wants me to do. Walking in godliness simply means you are doing your best to obey his standards of living. Godliness doesn't mean that I am not going to trip up. Godliness doesn't mean that I'm not going to slip up. Godliness simply means that today my priority is doing what God has called me to do. Doing what God has told me to do. I want to give you a word. I want you to write this down. There's only two people in the world that ever had a perfect parent, and that is Adam and Eve. And they had God as their father. They were created by him and made by him, parented by him, in a relationship with him. And even with a perfect parent, they still messed up. And I want you to get this. You're not a perfect parent. So the imperfections of your children are not a reflection of you. The imperfections in them are a reflection of a tainted world. And we live in a world where I feel like parents are just falling apart and marriages are falling apart because they see imperfections in their kids and they think that because those are there, something's wrong with them. No, be excellent, be godly. They're going to mess up. They've got a free will too. How many of you were the perfect child? Raise your hand. Let's see those. All right, Hannah raised her hand, quickly took it down. She's sitting behind her mama, but her mama just whiplashed around. All right. How many of you are like, God, please do not let my children be like me? Yes. How many of your parents told you one day you're going to reap this? And how many of you are like David on the knees and ashes saying, God, don't let it happen. I just don't let this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, if you're going to be a fearless woman, a fearless mother, a fearless leader, stop pursuing perfection. Stop trying to be everything and just be excellent at the opportunities you have today. Just be godly in the opportunities you're given today. Because if you try to be perfect today, you'll lose it. Has anybody else ever lost a moment um, because you're, you're wanting the perfect date and so you're so on edge about not making a mistake, you can't enjoy the moment? Yeah, so hey, take a breath. Let that out and realize that if you're trapped in that, you're missing this. You're missing life. And God doesn't expect you. He says, hey, she's got strength and she laughs without fear of the future. What a word. In other words, you know what that's saying about this woman? Is she's living today. She's enjoying today. The future is going to have its problems and all these other things, but I don't have to solve tomorrow. Many, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. Y'all remember this hymn? But I know what? Who holds tomorrow, and I know what? He holds my hand. 
We are in a life that God has given us to where we don't have binoculars that point ahead. We just have a cloud by day and fire by night that leads us. And so can I tell you this? I I, I think God is calling his church to live their lives as excellent and godly as they can, enjoying the gifts that God has given them right here. Enjoying the presence of each other. You don't have to have the perfect Mother's Day. Just good company will do. Am I right? How many of you would do anything to spend the day with your family and your family alone? Then then when you do that, don't, don't be on edge about perfect gifts. Now that's not an excuse for the men not to do something. Don't be on edge about going to the restaurant and having the perfect time. Because if you're waiting on perfection, the, the waitress could ruin your day. If you're expecting perfection, then your husband, he, he's a man. He's probably going to say something dumb, and it'll ruin the whole day. Any men say, yes, I am very good at opening my mouth and putting my foot into it. Anybody else like that? Yes. Don't leave your day up to him. Don't leave your day up to her. Give your day to God and enjoy what you have. Solomon, if he wrote Ecclesiastes, said, I've examined life, and I looked at everything, and I have found this one thing to be true. This is worthless. All this work and no play, all this grind and lay up and all this try to get and never go. He says, live it, enjoy it, eat, drink, and be merry. That comes from the wisest man that ever lived. He said, hey, at the end of your life, if all you did was work to get, somebody else is going to enjoy what you worked for. So enjoy what you have worked for. Today, you might have all the kids in the world, but spend some time holding hands. Spend some time on the couch. Spend some time together. It's not about being perfect it's about being present and we're missing that i believe social media and, and and our busy schedules has really distracted us from being present in real relationship and i think it's time that we we get back to that number two don't compare yourself don't compare your marriage don't compare your relationship don't don't, don't start looking at that and that what it says look at verse number 27 she carefully watches everything and i've got this underlined in her household. That's some good word right there. I mean, it, it, how, how many of you can get so caught up in the whole, well, I live a good life and I, I try my hardest and it seems like everything I do, I hit a wall, but they, have you ever had that thought? And he, I'm not going to finish that thought because sometimes we get very mean in that thought. And you know, sometimes we, 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 we don't understand why they're blessed and we're not. We, we, we look at a social media thing, which is a lie, and, and we wonder why our husband or our wife or our, our kids don't love us the way that they love each other. And, and what you're seeing is a picture that has no emotion, no feeling behind it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you ever see a picture of Lincoln smiling, it's not because he went to. Jordan just took a thousand pictures and got the right one. Yeah, okay, that dude hates pictures. You put him up there, now he'll get up there and he'll go, we'll, we'll say, hey, Lincoln, let's take a picture. He'll go, say cheese. You know, it, 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 it sounds just like that, say cheese. 
Like, I'm just, and then I'll look, but yeah, I mean, he's doing a little bit better, but that kid does not like pictures. And, and sometimes we get these pictures that, that have our kids standing there and they're all three smiling. But most of the time, Lincoln's eyes are over here and he's like this and Canaan's got little attitude going on. And the only one smiling in the picture is Grayson because he is mommy's boy. All right. And so we look at that, we see that and you, and you think, oh, look at that, all them smiling and how great it was. You don't see that everybody's drenched in sweat. Somebody's spinning pinwheels. Somebody's doing cartwheels behind and we just try to flip over a vehicle just to get them to look. You know, and, and, and yet you get that picture and you're like, why won't my kids do that? Here's the answer, because they're normal kids. And the truth is, my kids are too. I mean, it's like we go out to eat and, and you, we take pictures of our food. Anybody else do it? Come on. Right? How many of you done it? Let's see it. How many of you? All right, that's a lot. How many of us, before we go on a date, we take a picture or we do, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you sit there and I think we live in a world that we're like, I want that. No, 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 no. No, be thankful for what you have and do something with it. That's right. And realize that there's a lot of battles being fought on the other side of those photographs. There's no story told there. There's a memory captured. And if we're not careful, sometimes the memory ruins. I, I was the other day trying to catch a rainbow. Anybody else ever tried to do this in a photo? And you're, you're trying to get the right shot, and you're doing this, and you're looking at this, and, and you take the picture, and you look at the picture, and the picture's awful. So you take another picture, and it's like, why isn't the rainbow showing up? Take a picture, and then all of a sudden you look up, and the rainbow's gone. And you know what happened? You missed the rainbow because the rainbow's never going to show up in your phone like it registers in your mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we, we get so caught up in the, I want to prove to everybody I'm something. I want to, we let our work become our worth. We, we, we let what we do become who we are. You know, we, we think that we're a failure at this or a failure at that if it doesn't have the result that we want. I have found this to be true, that the cake that doesn't fluff is still just as good as the one that does. Do not throw the cake away. And the grilled cheese that's a little bit darker than the way you like it, do not put it in the trash. You say, well, the, the burnt stuff causes cancer. Well, then I'm going to enjoy getting it. All right? The thing is, is don't throw it away. Brussels sprouts, a little bit too done, are the bomb. And I'm sitting there, and they're like, oh, my mother-in-law. She'll be like, this, I, no, we can't eat this. And I'm like, put the spatula down and walk away. I'm about to do a work here. The truth is sometimes in our lives, we get into situations that don't work out the way we want them to work. And we feel like because this date didn't go the way we wanted, this day wasn't what we wanted that was wasted. Hey, put the spatula down. Put the trash can down. Stop comparing yourself and enjoy what you have because I have found this to be true. Some of the most memorable moments are the unplanned moments that just happen. The times that my daughter says the thing and we're like, where did that come from? And we're cracking up. The time that we're just sitting around and everybody's got bad breath, bad hair, and nobody's taking a shower yet. And yet we're playing and we're laughing. And dancing with a one-year-old. And Last night, Jordan had him cracking up and I was sitting over in my chair. I was working. It was about 1030. And, and Grayson was just cackling. And I thought to myself, that's one of the best sounds in the world. Sometimes it's the, it's the box that the kids want for Christmas, not the toy. Am I right? 
And here we are saying, but if they don't get what everybody else gets, then they're going to feel less than. I promise you this. There's a lot of grown-ups right now that would give every possession that they had in their childhood back to have parents. To actually have memories and relationships. There's a lot of kids right now that would give up every toy they have just to have the attention of their mom and dad. And I think we live in a world where they're constantly advertising for our attention, calling our name. I mean, if it's, if, as if Reese's aren't good enough, now they have Reese's for the chocolate lover and Reese's for the peanut butter lover. And they put them right by the cash register. And then they run this big S-A-L-E and stick it over the top. What used to be three for 99 cents is now three for your firstborn child, but it's still a sell, right? And it's always got to be more. It's always got to be different. It's always got to be grass is greener. You need this new car. You need a new house. You need, you know what you need? Memories. Quality time. Laughter. You know, the Bible even says that laughter is so powerful, it does your heart good like a, somebody say it, medicine. And sometimes it's like, oh, we can't laugh, we can't do this, and don't tell too many jokes, or don't get this, be this. No, we need to get back. I'll, I'll tell you this, write this down. If you are a comparing person, there's a good chance you're fighting depression. If you're a comparing person, there's a good chance you're discouraged. If you're a comparing person, there's a flip side. You might be complacent and you might be lazy. One side of comparison says, I'll never be enough. And the other side says, I'm okay with who I am. I, I tell agents all the time, I told one this past week, if you think you know everything, look at everything you have. Look at every cell you have and realize that you are at the pinnacle of your career. This is the most success you'll ever experience. If you've reached the point, you know everything. But if you realize there's a place to grow and there's somewhere to go, then look around at where you are and realize you're on a step that'll lead you to a greater step, to a greater step, to a greater step. As long as you can get to know, you can grow. As long as you can say, hey, I like where I am, but I can go further, then you can grow. But comparison says, I'm either never going to get here or I am better than them, so I'm fine with where I'm at. The truth is, is stop looking around at what's going on and look in her household and see this is where my calling is this is where my focus is I'm not called to be skinny like that or fat like that I'm not called to be rich like this or poor like that I'm called to be me and to be present in the relationships that God has blessed me with yeah. to be focused on what I have enjoying it instead of so focused on what I lack that's a good word, church. It's a word I need. I, I, I've heard this said. Um, uh, a lot of times people jump into a rat race only to find that at the end of the race, the winner is a rat. I once heard a pastor years ago say that if you're keeping up with the Joneses and you're in the race to catch the person ahead of you, you're going to be so depressed when you catch them because there's somebody they're chasing too. And you'll never catch up to the person at the head of the line. You'll never be where you want to be. So stop trying to run someone else's race. And Paul would put it this way. Run the race that God set for you. Right. Run with patience that race. Number three, 
don't give up. Look at Galatians, if you would. I mean, it, it says she has strength, she has dignity, her children will stand and bless her. She doesn't suffer from laziness, verse 27. She's got the blessing and praise of her husband and children. There's a lot of virtuous and capable women in the world, but this one, this one's going to surpass them all. Why? Because she's not building her life on her charm. She's not building her life on her looks. She's not building her life on her possessions. She's building her life on the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. I want you to get this. Write this in your notes. A prayer, a statement that you can put on a sticky note and keep in front of you. And it's, it's just like this. God, in you and through your word, I am enough. When my faith is in you and I'm building my life on your word, I am enough. You know why? Because God's enough. How many of you agree? How many of you have seen God good in your hard times? Amen. How many of you have seen God good in the you're being bad times? Yeah. How many of you have seen God good and consistent in, in, the, in the good times and in the season of drought? How many of you have seen God show up? Hagar was a woman that, that Abraham kind of did what most men do. We're in an epidemic, by the way, of men who want to create babies but not be fathers. And, and that's what Abraham did. He went with Hagar and had this baby, and then they said, let's get rid of her. And, and so he sends her off with very limited supply and very limited resource to go raise this kid by herself. And in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a dry, in the middle of a broken land where she had thought that all was over and that the baby and her were going to die, Hagar had an encounter with God. God. And because of that encounter, her descendants are the largest population of Arabs in the Middle East today. Why is that? Because God is the present God in desert places. And God creates rivers and streams and dry seasons. God is the God that will come through. And I know that you may be tired. And I know that you may be worn out. And I know that you may be getting to a place as a mom where stress is taking over. Imperfection is screaming loud. Where it feels like you're inadequate and you can't be good enough that you'll never achieve what he wants you to be. You'll never achieve what they want you to be. But God is saying, don't give up. Stay in the fight. Stay where you're at because he's a God that will come through. He's a God that will bless. You're going to get tired. You're going to get upset. You're going to get let down. But hold your faith. The rain will come in a dry season and the water will flow in a desert place. God will bring it back to you. Don't quit. Don't quit. We have too many people that are looking around and seeing what's going on in their family and thinking, we'll never make it. The truth is, if we look at God, we realize there's always hope. So keep loving the Lord. Keep loving Him. Keep loving her. Keep pouring into your children. And on the days it feels like it's going nowhere, realize that those are the days that matter most. Those are the days where God is at work and doing the work and God's going to come through. So in him, God, my faith is in you. And through your word, I'm going to stand on your promises because sometimes the promises don't look like they're possible. Anybody believe that today? Sometimes I'm in seasons of my life where it's like, when is this coming? When is this going to happen? 
Have you ever said, God, I'm praying, God, I'm reading, God, I'm seeking, God, I'm looking, God, I'm going, God, I'm doing everything I know how to do, but yet I still feel like life is falling apart. How many of you have been there? God, I'm giving everything I have to this relationship, and I feel like it's not going anywhere. I feel like he doesn't see me. I feel like she doesn't see me. I feel like nobody notices. How many of you have been there? The reality is this, God's saying, hey, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. I think verse 30 is God's promise in this chapter that charm, yeah, beauty, yeah, they don't last. But someone who fears the Lord, what's it say? Will be greatly praised. You know what that's saying? A woman, a mom, a mother, a wife, a caregiver, a guardian that fears the Lord is power. That is a powerful woman. So the challenge then becomes to pursue God. Pursue him in your relationships. Pursue him in your work. Pursue him in your spouse. Pursue him with your children. Just pursue God today. Not perfection, not impressing of others, not all the, I'm going to pursue God today. And trust that God will do what he has promised to do. I think a lot of times we get in pursuit of everything but God. Anybody guilty of that like me? And we forget the goodness of God. So if I got a challenge to you today on Mother's Day, it's this simple. Get all those things out. Don't do it. Don't try to be perfect. Don't compare. Don't quit. Just pursue. Just pursue God. And watch God do something amazing in and around your life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. We sat in our men's group just, just Friday night and we, we talked about this absence of men, godly men, not in our men's group, but in our churches. 70% of the American church is made up of ladies. We're building a whole conference on what happens when the man is absent in the spiritual leadership and development of a home. You know, can I sum that up very easy? Adam and Eve, that's what happens. Satan gets in the tree and tries to destroy the family. Omar, who's not here today, brought up Job and his wife. In one, Adam stays silent lets the lady and the snake talk and devastation takes place. In the other, the lady says, curse God and die. But Job says, I will not forsake him. I will not leave him. And Omar made the statement, one woman wound up cursed and the other woman wound up blessed. And I know today's Mother's Day, but I'm going to be honest. I think the greatest gift we can give to moms, the greatest gift we can give to the ladies is to have some men step in and be the men of God that they're called to be. To be the supportive husband, the supportive father that God has called us to be. But to the mom who may not be seeing that, to the single mom who's out there being mom and dad, to the, to the young mom who's scared to death of what the future may hold, to the, to the person that's sitting here that, that, that is barren and doesn't have children, or the person who has lost their children in death, to the moms, to the ladies, to the women in the room, 
keep trusting God. Until the men come, until they rally, until they become what God has called them to be, keep trusting God. Keep teaching, keep protecting, keep working hard, and know that God will let it pay off. I stand here today not because I had great male leadership in my life growing up, but God gave me a great grandmother not great-grandmother, a wonderful grandmother who believed in me and nurtured me and led me. And then a wonderful, I've already said it, adopted mom. And then a wonderful wife. And now I can say this today. It's because of the ladies that God put in my life. It, it helped me become the man that I can be today. Now, thank God there's been great men step in. But until they were present, I thank God for the virtuous woman. Is there any other man in the place today that would say, thank God, amen to that? That's my story too. Would you just give them some praise real quick, a hug or a life? Just do something. But ladies, we want to encourage you to keep going. Men, we want to encourage you to start pursuing too. And let's let God have complete control. Be in this moment today. Look at me. I don't have any questions to ask you. I don't have any invitation to give you. Other than this, would you please get it in your mind and in your heart that you are enough in God. You are enough because of God and in him and through his word, you are enough. Keep believing and watch God change your children, your husband, and the world through your faith and thank God for it. I, I, we don't know what happened to Joseph in the Bible, do we? We know that he raised Jesus, but in Jesus' adulthood, we don't see him. Well, what do we see at his first miracle? His mom. What do we see in his last breath dying on the cross? His mom. What do we see consistent in his life? A woman willing to stand by him through everything. And I just want to give a shout out to all you ladies who are grinding and keeping it up and pouring it in and standing firm. Even Jesus has to be thankful for a great mom. And I think today that if we have those in our lives, we should show honor and we should show some respect. We should show some gratitude, some thankfulness and some love. But don't quit. Just keep going. Keep pursuing God and watch God raise up miracles in your family. Watch God raise up power through your kids. We thank God for you today. But can we all just stand and in one moment just give God some praise for the goodness that he's had in our lives? Can anybody in here say that you are who you are without him today? No. So let's stand together. Let's close in a word of prayer. And let's just celebrate what God has done. We love you. We're thankful for you. I hope you have a blessed day. You came to the 9 o'clock service, so you can go be first in line when the restaurant opens. All right? While all those other church people have to wait, you can, you can hit Cracker Barrel first. But I do hope you do get the honor you deserve today. And before you leave this place, if you're a kid in the room, and I know it's not cool to be the teenage boy that goes up to your mama and gives her a hug and kiss, but she deserves it. Am I right, Lori? Where you? you got some boys up there that are some big old boys. You deserve it, don't you? All right, you guys give it to her, all right? How many of you in here today have plans? What are you doing? How many of you got somewhere you're going with somebody today? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let's see it. Anybody say, I got no plans. I'm just going to spend time with my family today. Raise your hand. All right, how many of you say I got no plans and I need somebody to give me some plans? 
All right. Tim, you got plans? Jessica, I'll get him. I'll get him. Huh? We'll, we'll let you slap him right now. All right? No, I'm just kidding. He's got plans. Joel, you got plans? You can go hug your mama. That ain't your mama. I know. She's out there. I pointed at Casey. Hug Casey, too. All right? So, all right. Hey, we love you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Grab somebody's hand. We're going to close in a word of prayer. I hope today that you've just been encouraged. I know that we spoke to the ladies, but I, I, I believe in my life it's applicable too. How many of you guys struggle with comparison? Yeah? Anybody else in here get tempted to quit? And we're not saying you're tempted to leave your family, but any of you feel like you're breaking down physically, mentally, emotionally? Yeah. Anybody else in here trying to be the perfect guy? How's that working out? Not well? Not well? All right, so let's just surrender. Let's live a life surrendered, saying, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for being present with me. Thank you for putting your power in me. Help me to remember what truly matters in life today. Because you're holding hands more than likely with that. What truly matters is who you have.